cul-de-sac contemplating murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Pseudo clean record hope got Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of Culper's Canteen Cup, which is episode 34 for Josh there. We got a great episode for you, but first I want to give a shout out to Betsy. We're going to keep it clean on this episode. I'll go ahead and give a shout out to my mom and dad. Give a shout out to Josh's mom and dad. We're going to try our hardest to keep it clean. Not because, you know, we found our morals and everything, but because, hey, we're more talented than that, right? We can express ourselves without using those foul words. Shout out to Carlton Zeus for that great intro music. Thanks a lot, buddy. Head to carltonzeus.com or uh, check him out on iTunes. Really should look up his album if you haven't already. It's, it's, it's good stuff. Tom and Jen Satterley, you know, alsecurefoundation.org. Check him out. Always, always a great organization to uh, to support. So we got a great episode lined out. We got... We're going to talk about the notorious RBG. We're going to talk about Brianna Taylor. Good morning. Sunday morning. And we're going to talk about maybe a little bit of Hunter Biden. It's going to be there. This is going to be a barn burner. I'm telling you. And you need to watch on YouTube. And for those of you 26 to 30 people who are watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. Hit the subscribe button so you can get our updates that come out. And I'm telling you, you're going to want to watch on YouTube because within the next couple of weeks, Josh and I have been working out. I'm telling you, we've been working out. We're going to take Roger's lead. I am going to the PX tomorrow, cross the border. I'm going to get myself some wife beaters. <laughs> I'm going to start wearing those during the podcast. And you guys are going to want to see that. So, folks, hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Give us a like. Uh, head over to iTunes. Give us a like. We're opening up with that because we know a lot of y'all stop listening when you since we're wrapping it up. So give us a like, give us a review on iTunes or your favorite uh, podcasting platform and head over to YouTube and subscribe. So Roger, which one are we going to cover first? Well, I got man? a couple of things. One, so somebody out there is using podcast addict or Castbox or whatever. If you're a listener and you're using that platform, hit us up on Facebook. I'm just curious who in the hell uses it. They have so many indie platforms. Like who the fuck uses this? Well, I guess that took me all of three minutes to drop the F-bomb. So I was like, who the heck is using this? And, and so I'm and in literally our stat show, like there's one user that uses, I think it's CastBox or whatever, and one that uses Podcast Addict. So I'm just curious. I'm not going to bag on anybody. It's I think it's pretty cool. And that to me, those indies, those are those are huge. I, I like those better than anything. But I'm just kind of curious if, uh, you know, if anybody's seen that. Have you guys seen, and I think, I can't remember who sent it to me. Do you guys see the YouTube video where Nadler shits himself, where he, sh- where he sharts? Oh, is my that God, not the dude. the funniest thing? Is that, is, the, is that what happened, though? I well, mean, why else do you walk like that? I mean, did you see the look of Nancy? Oh, so for the God. listeners out there, if you haven't watched this video, you got to go gurgle. Uh, Nadler shits himself. Nadler sharts himself or whatever. But when, he, when that happens and you see the look on Nancy's face, it is very clear that's exactly what he did. There was probably a... Mike got quiet. She looks over, and he's doing the dookie shuffle off the uh, the side of the stage. But you, you, good lord, man, that is one of the funniest things that that, that you'll see all month. Guarantee it. Hey, man. Hey, I know. You know what? I can laugh at it because I've been there, and I know Josh has too. I've been there, but not in front of a you know national press corps. Yeah, never on national TV. Unbelievable. <laughs> so I don't know. What do you think, Josh? Are we, we covered the, the most important news would be Nadler shooting himself. Uh, we've got Hunter Biden. We've got RBG. We've got Brianna. Let's start with Brianna Taylor. That's, that's like the hot one, right? That's, that's what's going on right now. So let's give a, uh, 
let's give a rundown here. What you know, everybody kind of knows what happened with Breonna Taylor, but what's your thoughts on what's going on with the riots and and the and what they what the grand jury came back with? Oh, okay. So first, I got to touch on the penguin. All right, uh, <laughs> poop, poop it himself. I. I actually felt bad for the dude, right? Because he's standing there, he's holding on to the podium, right? So Pelosi comes up and starts talking, and he like waddles off, and you can tell like he's got the butt, you know, the butt cheeks are clenched, man. Mm-hmm. Like he's walking off, and therefore, a second, like I actually felt sorry for the guy, right? Because you look at him, you're like, I almost wanted the. It was like I was, I was literally yelling at the cameraman on the video, like pan away from him, like come on. <laughs> Pan away. Like he's a human being. Like give that man at least a, a, a modicum, a dignity. Like just pan away. Like good Lord, let that dude. That was, that was one of the saddest things I've seen in a very long time. Like that. I mean, that it, it, it was heartbreaking to watch that man knowing that it's a national audience, right? Actually around the, like it's a world audience. I've seen this. The man has zero dignity left, no honor. Like, like done, man. That, like, that was heartbreaking. As another, as another man, you mean looking at that? I was just, I, it, it was unsettling. No, no, you know what, Jerry? I, I would feel like you do, except that there are probably four or five human beings on the face of this planet that uh, I just despise, and I could care less. He's one of them. Uh, Shifts another one. Blumenthal is another one. There, there's there maybe more than four or five, but those guys there, I, I, I could care less. <laughs> that is the funniest thing you would see all night. So I'm not. Uh, no, absolutely. Jerry Naylor's. He's one. He, he is as bad as they come. But as a, yeah. But as another human being, as another man, like that's just like it's terrible. Because Luke's right, man. We have been there. I was in the middle of a meet, um, in uh, in Afghanistan. I think it was, and bro, like I literally cut the meat like 20 minutes into it because. I went to go fart and I, it went everywhere. Like it wasn't like, Oh like, ooh, man, that, that's a little, that's kind of a bad one. No, it was like immediate. Like this is like, this is catastrophic. Like this is catastrophic. Like I, there is no, like I can't continue this meeting. Like I smell oh. worse. I smell worse than the Afghani. Oh, I, and I, we're going to break records. Got up, I got up. I could feel it running down the backs of my legs. Like it was, it was, it, it, it was not good. I take the time when I did it as a recruiter? So I'm in the recruiting oh, station good. in my class B's. And for those of you out there that, that aren't military, whatever, your class B's, kind of like your dress pants and you've got the button up shirt, collar shirt, but it's a short sleeve. You got all your business casual. You, you got all your, yeah, business casual. You've got your, all your ribbons and everything. Cause as a recruiter, you got to wear that shit all the time. And, uh, you, your shirt stays and all that stuff. And I was sitting there and thank God an applicant wasn't there. So I'm sitting at the desk and I was up at the foothills recruiting station. And a couple of listeners out there will, will remember this specifically because dude, I blew the fucking back out of my pants sitting there. I mean, it was like, I was like, Holy shit. <laughs> so, so I go to the bathroom. Yep. Take them off, dude. Thank God we had one of those hand dryers in there. So I spent like the next 20, 25 minutes sitting there washing my pants in the sink. <laughs> Couldn't get the stench out of them. Oh, Finally, I had to call my wife. I'm like, hey, I need you to bring me another pair of pants. She's like, oh, I'm like, just oh. stop asking questions. Just bring me a fucking pair of pants, all right? 
So that's uh, <laughs> we've all been there, and, and I do realize well, that as you get older, I don't know if you guys are, are this way or not, but <clears throat> dude, the time on target significantly like decreases. When I was younger, it was like, okay, I might have to go. Okay, I hit the next rest area. Like right now, you got ninety seconds, maybe. Dude, maybe. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, that dude that happened to me here. I don't know. It was a couple of weeks ago, man. It was. You have about fifteen seconds, and ten of those are gone. <laughs> right? It wasn't like, all right, I'll, let me go knock out a couple things first, and then I'll you know hit the bathroom. No, it was just like Mr. Bowel voice was like. Five, two, four, three. It was like that I happened, gotta go. That happened this morning to me. This very morning, and and you know we we talked. Those those of you who get the freemium content on YouTube. That's why I want to I want to steer to YouTube. On a couple of episodes ago, we talked about this for a solid ten minutes after after the uh, podcast. We were talking about the radar. You know your your bowels have this radar. You know, and it's like you've got you know it gives you the warning ninety seconds. 90 seconds, Luke, you better be sitting on a toilet in 90 seconds. It's like, I got you. I, I, we're, we're on the same page. So you start walking down the hallway and you're asking your bowels. You're like, wait a minute. You told me I had 90 seconds. I've, I, I'm 10 <laughs> seconds in. They're like, no, no, no. We can sense the toilet coming up. So now you've got 30 seconds, you know, oh, yeah. and the, the closer you get to the toilet, the more it's like, nope, you got four, three, two. And then you do the move, you know, you undo the pants you go down, you sit down, and it's all, boom, it's a move. So today, this morning, I had the thing, man. I know audience out there, we're getting real personal right now. But I go downstairs because I'm not going to I'm not gonna do my business on my floor. <laughs> you know, I'm going downstairs to do it on another floor. And I walk by, and that, and, and so the radar is going off. It's like, you've got, you've got 10 seconds. And I walk by to that, to that door, and it's locked. Somebody's in there. And my bowels are like, nope, we're not having it. We're not having it. You're either going to go in your pants or you're going to run down to the next floor down and you're going to go. And that's how it was, man. That was this morning. Yeah, we're old. We like talking so about our every floor in Next your week, op- we're going to talk about Metamucil. Every floor in your office building has shitters from another floor that's coming down to use Yes, <laughs> yes. But it's easier to go downstairs than up, and I'm on the top floor. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No. So what are we talking yeah. about? <laughs> So anyway, all right. So so uh, Roger was asking me about uh, the Brianna Taylor situation. God, where where do you start? Right. Um, one, what we are seeing, we are seeing. This is not new. This is this situation is nothing new. Uh, we we have seen this movie time and time again. This is not a pick your own adventure book where you get to choose the ending. It's the same movie. It's the same ending time and time again, and we've seen it. An incident occurs, people riot because of the media goes out with their initial report, which all three of us and the vast majority of our listeners know that initial reports are almost 100% always wrong. Almost always. Initial reports are always wrong. Right. You got the you got the fog of war. You got the dust is still up. There's smoke. There's haze. Like nobody knows exactly what's going on. Everybody hasn't had time to collect their senses yet. They're always wrong. So the media got out and pushed this narrative that, you know, Breonna Taylor, this EMT, this, you know, this this, you know, this this pillar of society in, in Louisville, Kentucky was shot while sleeping 
as a part of this no knock raid that, you know, this militarized police force, you know, basically haloed in, you know, on top of the house, came through the windows, came down the chimney, you know, came up through the floorboards and not only shot, not only shot her, you know, her, her live in boyfriend, but, you know, ran into a room, saw her peacefully sleeping in a bed and just proceeded to, you know, St. Valentine's Day massacre her. Well, instead of waiting for the investigation, they decided we're going to treat this like Trayvon Martin. We're going to treat this like Mike Brown. Yeah, we're just going to go ahead and start burning Louisville to the ground. Well, woe and behold, what do you know? The evidence has come out. The investigation is complete. The grand jury looked at it. And I don't know how, you know, probably a lot of people don't understand how a grand jury works. Uh, In fact, I saw somebody post today, a grand jury. It was all police officers on the grand jury. That's why, you know, the charge came out. That's not how it works. That's not how any of that works. Um, You know, come to find out that it was not a no knock warrant. They did knock on the door and identify themselves. And Breonna Taylor's boyfriend, you know, he's like that. uh, He's like that gif with Danny DeVito from uh you know it's always sunny in philadelphia is like so anyway i started blasting <laughs> right uh, and so he starts blasting hits a cop right so the cops say you know the cops think okay we just knocked on a door to serve a warrant and now we're you know all of a sudden there's gunfire we're going to guns right and Brianna Taylor, who's, you know, I don't know where she was. She was hiding behind him. She was in front of him. She was standing off, you know, a foot to the side. I don't know, but I know she wasn't in her bed sleeping like the media, you know, took, took and ran with and what initial reports said. She wasn't there and she caught around. Okay. Is that a tragedy? Yeah, sure. It's a tragedy, right? Should she be dead? Probably not. But anybody who has ever in their life been in a gunfight knows that shit happens. I look at it and say, had your boyfriend who you chose to have there, who you chose to have in your life, not decided to go to guns with the police, maybe you wouldn't have caught around. Maybe you would still be alive. Maybe he would still be alive. I don't know. But what I do know is that people are now, even after the evidence has come out, even after the evidence has come out and pointed to, hey, the cops were in the right. Here's what happened. Here's what the evidence supports, right? And so that's forensic evidence too. So for all you hashtag believe science people out there, hashtag believe science, because forensic science, um, you know, it supports it. It shows that the cops were in the wrong. And not only that, you had the what the attorney general of Kentucky, who last time I checked, he's a black guy, right? Yep. They came out and said, who was it? Who was it on MSNBC or somebody said, you are not uh, – skin kin or family kin or something like that basically called him an uncle Tom, right? Which is in my book, pretty racist, probably not something you should go around calling people. And the hell or high water, 
They don't care. They don't care about the evidence. Now they're just going to burn Louisville to the ground, which, you know, you had two police officers shot last night. Uh, in Louisville, both of them are expected to recover, which is good. One one of the police officers took a round just below the hip. Lucky it did not hit an artery, right? Because that's normally how those turn out. And the other one, oh, and by the way, one of the police officers that was shot is black. So for the black person shooting the black police officer, I, I guess his life didn't matter. I don't know. I don't know where to go with the whole BLM thing other than the fact that Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization. I said what I said. Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization. I'll say it again. I said what I said. Right. So it's a shit show. Louisville's going to burn again tonight. I don't know at what point somebody's going to put their foot down and somebody's going to restore law and order in this country. Uh, I really wish that the governors and the mayors would take responsibility for their cities and protect those citizens who are doing the right thing, not out rioting, not out destroying public and private property, not out shooting people. Um, but if you are in Louisville, here's what I'm going to ask you. If you do decide to go out and loot and riot, if by chance you hit a place that has allocated bourbons, just keep uh, keep Culper's Canteen Cup in your mouth when, uh, when you grab those bottles and uh, bring it back to your house. <laughs> so man. so I'll, I'll, I'll get off. I'll get off my soapbox and uh, I'm curious to hear what uh, what Luke thinks about this. But but again, Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization. You can't change my mind. So uh, before Roger gets into the facts and figures, what, 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 what we count on him for is uh, to, to keep us real with the real story. Uh, I'll, I'll be upfront and honest and say that, you know, I really wasn't following the Breonna Taylor uh, situation that closely because uh, now, Roger, before I get started here, now that happened after George Floyd, correct? Uh, Sorry to put you on the spot. You know what? I think they were similar time. No, hang on, I'll gurgle it while you're talking. So it might have been. It might have been before. It might have been before. It does, doesn't really matter. Uh, I guess I just wasn't tracking it that close. Uh, kind of got caught up in the George Floyd thing, and then uh, you know uh, the, the countless other circumstances that came after. But what I did. You know, when the story first came out, I was like, no knock warrants. And if you listen to this show enough, I mean, we're 34 episodes in now. I think you'll you'll realize that although I think the three of us do back the blue, so to speak, you know, of course, we love our police officers and all that stuff. But at the same time, we walk this fine line of, yeah, but, you know, we don't want our yeah, we don't we don't want them too much in our business. We don't want them militarized. We do think they should back off a little bit. I think in a few episodes ago, we were talking about some of the reforms that were proposed in the wake of uh, the George Floyd thing and the uh, the other one. I'm, I'm fading on the name, but we're not. Yeah, we we tr- we trust our police to a point. But at the end of the day, I think the three of us agree the police work for us now. So I just it just didn't seem right. I don't know. But again, I didn't, I didn't follow it that close, but a no knock warrant. I, you know, I know there's a time and a place for everything, but when someone gets killed with a no knock warrant and you know, the, 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 the story is spun the way it was, I'm a prime example. I wasn't paying much attention. So when I'm not paying much attention and not digging into the actual story, I tend to unconsciously like everyone else out there, just follow the media narrative even though I shouldn't, I of all people should know you shouldn't do that. So from the beginning, I was like, yeah, this is a situation gone bad. 
And then Roger starts sending us links and stuff like that. You really got to dig into this stuff about how this thing, and you did this like months ago, Roger, sending us links about Brianna Taylor and how, uh, you know, maybe it's not what it seems, you know, maybe her boyfriend was a known, you know, drug dealer or peddler or whatever he was. It just started not adding up. And of course, right then my mind snapped. And I was like, okay, I didn't pay good enough attention. Like Josh said, man, the, the, the initial story that comes out is just hardly ever accurate. And if it is even the, the least bit accurate, there's more of a story to it. So in all honesty, I, I didn't follow the Breonna Taylor case that closely to begin with. But the, the result of it now, now that I know everything, now that I've seen uh, what the actual testimonies were and some of the, the documents have leaked from the uh, GJ, the grand jury, um, you know, I'm starting to see, well, this is this is kind of par for the course. And it's just complete cognitive dissonance. I mean, you can look at the documents they are publicly available, all of this stuff. Yet people are still rioting. And Louisville is a nice city, man. I mean, I've been there multiple times. Josh is a. Uh, Josh is a mentor who uh, occasionally listens to this show, uh, actually took a wrong turn in Louisville, and we wound up in Indiana uh, when we were there on a mission one time. So uh, that was that was fun. But anyway, it's just it's just it's heartbreaking to me. I know a lot of people in uh, Louisville, uh, Chris, shout out, happy balls. And it's just a shame that this stuff is going to happen over over what? I mean, like Josh said, stuff happens, and she should not be dead. Uh, I don't know that it was a uh, the the two cops that got shot. You know, Josh, I don't know if the guy who shot the two cops were was black, because most of these BLM protesters I see and most of the people doing this stuff are white people. So it's like, so, I don't know. So I don't know. The person they arrested, the alleged shooter, right? Because again, okay, okay, I didn't because know that. again, I don't. We have lost the presumption of innocent until proven guilty in a court of law in this country, right, for everybody. But the the alleged shooter that they have in custody right now of the two police is black. Okay, see, I didn't know that. But it just, uh, you know, everything's so confusing right now. It's uh, it's a little bit disheartening when property is getting burned, police officers are getting shot over a narrative that is just completely false. But Josh I've just been talking crap. Uh, Roger is going to be the one that brings us around to actual facts. So, facts that I support with my so own research or makeup, <laughs> however you want to look at it. It's fine. Josh hit it on the head with this thing because when it first came out, I think we addressed it. And, and like we address every incident that comes out like this, it's – this is what it sounds like. If this is what happened, it sounds bad, but I reserve the right to wait for everything to come out. And I think when the Brianna Taylor thing came out, it was so night and day. Cause I remember we were doing the interview or we were doing the, the podcast and it was, yeah, cops served a no knock warrant, kicked the door in and basically shot her up for no reason. And she's dead. And, and that was the narrative that was pushed by the media. And a lot of, here's what I don't understand. I'll kind of get into the facts in, in a second as, as I go down this, but what I don't understand, and I understand not wanting to taint the grand jury and any follow-on trial and this and that, but you can release facts. There, the AG and I, Daniel Cameron. I tell you what, if you did not watch his his press conference, uh, best press conference of the year, 
by far. That dude is very well spoken, yeah. very genuine. I thought, you know, we had that moment there where he almost broke careful, down. Joe Biden. Careful, Joe Biden. <laughs> careful. But it's uh, when you look at what was first reported versus what came out in facts. Why weren't the facts released prior? Not that it would have mattered because writers are looking for anything to write about. For them, they could care less on what would. What, what. So take the writers, throw that shit out the window. They're going to write for anything. But why not release the facts out there? Because what went to what went from a lady being shot in her apartment who was an EMT or a paramedic or whatever, you know, being served a, a no-knock warrant at 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever time it was. And, and it was two months before George Floyd. Hers was uh, March and George Floyd was, was May. But it goes from that to, hey, a no-knock warrant was issued, but not utilized. The cop knocked on the door, announced her name, which I think was even confirmed through neighbors that, yes, we heard the police officer. Yes. So now it makes sense because I'm sitting here thinking, and again, not knowing the layout of the apartment and this and that, but it's an apartment. So you mean to tell me, I mean, does this guy sleep with his gun? Because there's no way being served a no-knock warrant that the cops kicked. And you know how we do things during no-knocks. I mean, we all know no-knock warrants. It's three seconds. You're you're in you're in there three seconds. You're on the ground. So what did this guy, the boyfriend, like sleep with his gun? Well, of course not. Now it makes sense. The reason he had his gun and he was able to fire rounds was because the police were like, police. That's exactly what happened. That's how he got his gun out, and that's how he got the rounds off. It makes sense now. So a no knock warrant was issued, not used. Cops announced their their presence, confirmed. And what was initially reported, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on this, if I, I think I heard this right, but what was initially reported as it was the wrong address, they actually did have a warrant for that address. And they mm-hmm. had a warrant for that address. I'm not sure if it was the boyfriend or Brianna Taylor, because I know that the guy that they were originally looking at or who was tied into this whole thing was Brianna's ex-boyfriend. And I love how the, the left media downplays it. You know, they, uh, oh, they broke up years ago. No, they were just talking. She's still handling his money. Yep. Right. I know you had something, Josh. What am I? What are you cracking me on? Oh, guess who else's name is on the warrant? Boyfriend. No, the warrant's for him. Guess who the second name oh, was on hers. the warrant? Was it Brianna Taylor? Brianna Taylor. Yeah. Oh my God! See, I, this is just shows how not how much I'm not following this story. Unbelievable. So here, here, when I first heard it, right? When, when I first heard it, we talked about it, right? I completely, I was like, yeah, man, that like, that's just a situation that went bad because right. I, I tell you right now, for me personally, I sleep, right? My pistol is within reach of me when I, when I'm in bed, as, as long as I can get to my nightstand anyway. Right. Right. right? So my pistol, if my door all of a sudden gets kicked in and I have a group of people coming through my door and they have not identified themselves in the middle of the night. Absolutely. We're going to guns. Absolutely. Like that is what is going to happen because I am coming up with a gun and right. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And so when I first heard it, it was like, yeah, it was like, man, that's just, yeah, that's all bad, dude. I, no knock warrant middle of the night. You don't announce yourself as a police. And even if you announce yourself as a police, it's like, are you really the police in this right. day and age? You know, I mean, there's questions there. I can, I, I saw both sides. I was like, yeah, dude, this is just a really, like, this, this was just poor execution, right? All around, 
right? Just a, you know, a misunderstanding gone bad. I completely got it. I saw it. But again, you know, it's like, okay, let's wait for the investigation. Let's wait for the investigation to come out. And yeah, none of that, none of what was pushed by the media is true. No, And, and that's why none the cop wasn't even charged with murder. Grand jury came back, and said, no, that's a good shoot. You announced yourself. Boyfriend starts blasting. You shoot back. Where the cop got in trouble was firing 20 rounds and the fact that it was in an apartment complex. It was essentially public endangerment. You take your gun out and you fire it off in a town square or whatever, which I think is like a class D felony in Kentucky. That's what that's what the grand jury came back with is that, hey, um, actually, it was an apartment complex. You fired 20 rounds and the walls are thin. You could have hit people in other rooms, which I'll tell you, here's here's the amazing thing about it. And I forget who said this, somebody way more popular than us and, and more knowledgeable. But you know, it's always been said with grand juries that you can indict a ham sandwich at a grand jury. So the fact that they only came back with, and, and somebody can correct us on the public endangerment because that's not the actual charge, but it's something similar to it. But the fact that the grand jury only came back with that charge, they'll be lucky to convict them of that. Because if I'm the vice versa now, now that we know I'm a police officer, I have a warrant for a no-knock, for, or I have a, a authority for a no-knock warrant, which means that there was some high threat there. That's why you have a no-knock warrant. Mm-hmm. We're going to go in the middle of the night, and we're going to catch him or her unsuspectingly, and it's going to be a surprise, element of surprise, and that way we just we reduce the risk, we reduce the violence, this and that. It's apartment complex. So you have that. So you're already heightened anyway going into this place that, hey, there's, there's the potential for some violence. And then the boyfriend was, I think it was two rounds, right? Did he fire off two rounds, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, it was two or three. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot, but, I mean, you, dude, you only need right. one. So rounds come out, and who knows what they have. I don't know what the police officers had, if they had nods or anything like that. But if it's dark, and then the next thing you know, he empties his magazine. So I would tell you this, that when it goes to the actual trial, you may not even get that. And I think the prosecutors charged him right or tried to bring the right charges because my, I remember talking to my son about this. One of my concerns, as they always do, to quell the riots of today, they want to overcharge. We're charging murder, mm-hmm. first-degree murder, whatever it is. And that's very hard. It sounds good in the papers, but you have to look and say, what can we convict this guy or gal on? And so I was concerned that they were going to overcharge. So you stop the riots today for the place to go completely nuts uh, down the road when the, when the guy or gal is you know found uh, innocent. With this charge here, there's actually a pretty good chance that a plea happens. And, and from the pundits, I, I have no law background, obviously, but from the pundits that I've listened to, they're like, yeah, you know what, fourth degree misdemeanor, you're looking at a maximum of five years in jail. Uh, he'll probably just end up pleading that down and get you know six months probation or, or, or whatever. And that's probably the right charge. Now, is it is it crappy that you've got, uh, you know, that Breonna Taylor died? Yeah, would, I agree with you. Would she still be alive if the boyfriend uh, hadn't opened fire? Probably. But now that the 87-page report that came out that shows, and I, and I tell you, I get it. You cannot convict people based on their past. I understand that. And I'm not saying we do that. But let's not pretend that Breonna Taylor was an angel because there were plenty of phone records to her boyfriend, former boyfriend who was in prison, and I think still is. Yeah, he is still in prison. Where they, they wiretap that stuff. It's it's also important to note that Brianna Taylor, because right when it came out, when the news story came out, it was Brianna Taylor was an EMT, you know, serving the community, you know, protecting her fellow citizens, taking care of oh, first responder, right? right. We 
Well, that was when we held our first responders in high regard before we, you know, vilified them. Brianna Taylor got fired from her EMT job two years prior. You know why? For dealing cocaine and helping her boyfriend deal cocaine out of the ambulance. Out of the ambulance. Like that's some Grand Theft Auto shit, right? Where you're dealing, you're dealing coke out of the ice cream truck. Like that's some Friday. Dude, that's straight Friday. <laughs> like big worm rolls up. <laughs> well, and that's what leads to the warrant. That's that's why her other that's why her name's there. That's why you have a search warrant. Because they had phone records going back uh, to just recently where it, the way it sounded like she was handling the money for the ex-boyfriend during the drug deals. She was the bag man. She was the bag man. Oh, so God. And these God, are facts. You know. These are facts. The phone calls are facts. The, the fact that the cop announced himself. So if you're the – and again, I take it all the way up to, to Daniel Cameron, which I think – Sounds like he's a great dude, but all the way down to your local level, why not release this stuff ahead of time? And again, the writers are going to riot. I get that. And BLM is going to continue pushing their Marxist agenda, which, by the way, they've been cleaning up their website ever since Culper's Canteen Cup started reporting on this shit. But uh, you have a lot of folks out there because I remember having the conversation with you guys and I remember having the conversation with my son. And it's like, okay, so now you, you caused me to have a conversation with my son who will lead him down the path of distrust of law enforcement. And since the facts weren't released early, all we had to go off of was, you know, yeah, EMT or paramedic shot in the middle of the night and no knock warning. It's like, wow. So I'm sitting here trying to defend that to my boy. And it's like, I don't really have answers. And to an 18 year old, it doesn't, the, just wait for all the facts to come out. And I think even one of your friends, Luke came out and, and, and was like, this is bullshit. I don't even have to know. It's common sense. I'm like, Hey, good thing. We've got freaking due process. I think you know what I'm talking about. Good thing that we have due process in the United States. Like Josh said, you're innocent until proven guilty. And all these people came out and said, you know, I don't need any court. I don't need any of this. You know, be shot in your bed sitting tonight. Yeah, that is wrong. If, if, if the police officers came in, kicked your door down, and shot you in your bed while you're sleeping, absolutely wrong. Guess what? That's not what happened. You know, I, you know, uh, was that the same friend who said this is uh, a certain group of people's come and take it moment i don't remember that i don't know okay well either way it it, you know what breaks my heart with this whole thing is it's we absolutely this is i wish we had sound effects here imagine a a horn honking we live in clown world and that's that's you know that's that's frustrating for me reading the news it's frustrating that we live in clown world and everything is so backward. But what the tragedy is, is that people are actually going to get hurt and die over this complete false narrative. And it, uh, it leads me to ask, it's like, why is this happening? Is this all for ratings? Is this all for you know advertising time for commercials on all these news networks? All of them, not just one, all of them. Is that what this is? Because people are actually going to get hurt over this complete false narrative. Did we not learn our lesson? What year was it? 2011 with uh, uh, George, uh, whatever his name was, down in Florida? Trayvon Martin? Yeah, Trayvon Martin, George Simmons. I mean, good Lord. I mean, can we not learn our lesson? And the answer is obviously no. And people are going to get hurt. And this is not going to stop. It's very frustrating for me. It's, it's just it, it 
it's one of those things you want to you want to shake your head and just sigh and go live in the mountains and you know maybe fall asleep like Rip Van Winkle or some something I don't know and fourteen million dollars yeah. right didn't they did they just settle a civil suit yeah twelve twelve million dollars twelve million twelve million dollars twelve million dollars I'm a taxpayer of that city I'm like whoa 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 I want my twelve million dollars back there was a lot more to this than what you said. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely, right? And so Louisville paid that money to just uh, – here, it, They Louisville went with the appeasement method, right? And it, it hit, I, uh, Ronald Reagan told us this years and years ago. History shows us and history has proven that appeasement never, ever works, ever. Therein ever. lies the road to war. Exactly. Yeah. No, absolutely. Right. From his we must fight speech. It never works. And so Louisville tried to appease with the twelve million dollars. But that didn't work because people are still out there writing. People are still out there burning down you know, businesses. And we saw it like you have people who had nothing to do with this, nothing to do with this, who have lost not only their lives. Right. So you do you think about David Dorn who was murdered in St. Louis during the, when they were during the George Floyd riots, police chief, David Dorn didn't have, wasn't in, wasn't in Minneapolis. Didn't, didn't know George Floyd from Adam's house cat. What did he do? Got murdered during a George Floyd riot because black lives matter or something. And David Dorn was black for, for anyone out there who really gives a shit. Right. But, but black lives matter or, or something. And you have people whose their livelihoods, the way they feed their kids, the way they provide for their families have been destroyed. Things that they've spent their whole life building, businesses that they've spent their whole life building, building have been destroyed. And it for what? Because the media pushed a false narrative. And everybody, like, everybody lost their minds when Trump said the media is the enemy of the people. Like, the media is a clown show, and they're the enemy. People lost their minds. They're like, oh, my God, he's undermining the media. Well, guess what? The man was not wrong. Our media is a, a complete disaster. A complete disaster. And Luke spoke to it, in, yeah, I think it was in the last podcast, like, the way the media – is the Tim Pools. It is the Andy, you know, goes. And I know I just said his name wrong. I'm sorry, Andy. Not that you listen to our <laughs> shit anyway. Um, <laughs> and so, but that is, right? Our mainstream media, whether it's Fox News, whether it's CNN, whether it's MSNBC, they're all garbage. They are all hot, stinking garbage. And, you know, and Roger spoke to it. I hate, I despise Big government, I loathe and despise with every cell of my being, dirty cops. <laughs> I absolutely can't stand them. I think dirty cops should be rooted out and they should spend the rest of their lives rotting in a jail cell, right? Because they should be held to a higher standard than your average American citizen. They absolutely should. But, you know, and for us, and I'll, I'm comfortable speaking for both of y'all on this, <laughs> we've been around the world enough to know that there's good people 
and there's bad people of every skin color, of every ethnicity, of every race, of every country, of every organization. There's good people in the military. There's shitty people in the military. Absolutely. Right. And that's in the police, the, the police forces of America. They're a microcosm of society. There are good cops and there are bad cops. And I hope I, I would love to find all the bad cops, root them out and put them in a jail cell with somebody who outweighs them by like 200 pounds and has like some you know weird sexual <laughs> fetish. And it's just, you know, so I, I, I but generally speaking, just just wait for the facts to come out. Wait for the evidence to come out before we convict somebody in the court of public opinion, because that's what we've that's what we've gone to. Right. This cancel culture, convicting people in the court of public opinion. We've gone to that and we've ruined innocent people's lives over it. People who can never get their life back, can never get their livelihood back, can never get their reputation back. The officer in the Mike Brown shooting, Darren Wilson, that guy can't find a job now as a police officer, even though he was in the right. The evidence showed he was in the right. Guess what? Everything that he's been trained to do, and every, he can't do anymore because there's no police force that's going to hire him. Why? Because we convicted that guy in the court of public opinion before we allowed due process to work. And if we truly believe in due process as a country, we have to give it a chance to work. If you're convicted by a jury of your peers to have committed a crime, then guess what, man? Go do the time. But what we can't do is convict people in the court of public opinion and ruin their lives because that's what the media tells us to do or that's what the narrative tells us to do or that's, you know, hashtag social justice or whatever. So that, that's the last I'll say on the whole whole Breonna Taylor thing. And, you know, it's it, it's a tragedy that, you know, that, that she's dead. She didn't have to die. I don't think, you know, I don't think dealing drugs out of the back of an ambulance is a is you know, deserves the death sentence. Um, but I do believe her boyfriend who made the choice, who made the personal decision to go to guns with the police. It's his fault. That's on him and him alone. The police officer who, you know, emptied his magazine. You're a clown show. That was probably the first gunfight that dude's ever been in. I will go out on a limb and say that's the first lot, that's the first gunfight that dude's been in. He's probably, you know, every time he's fired a weapon, it's probably or you know been on a one-way range. For one. Yeah. And guess what? Think about it. These are the people that you want to de- defund. You want to take away money from them when you should be giving them more money and mandating, you need more training. You need training scenarios. You need to be trained better. You need training scenarios to where you are under an incredible amount of stress when you have to go to guns, right? You need to be punched in the mouth. Everybody talks about, oh, I'll beat the enemy's ass. (laughs) Hey, Mike Tyson said it best, baby. Everybody's got a plan so they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> and anybody who's been, hey, anybody who's been to sudden violence, accident avoidance, it's all fun and games. So you get in those scenario rooms and you get your ass beat like Tina Turner. Like, yep. <laughs> oh, Tina Turner, man. <laughs> Spag me again. I can put some stank on it. That's from Saturday Night Live. That is uh, not my quote. Boy. You know, Josh, you're, you're absolutely right, man. I, you know, defund the police. I, I, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. It takes more funding. It just, it really does. You know, 
If you want to train some people on some live fire scenarios, that takes ammunition. As you guys know, I'm not fortunate enough to have the luxury of buying ammunition over here, but uh, what I hear in the States is getting very expensive. And for the police departments, it's the same way, man. I mean, ammunition is expensive. Training courses are expensive. Uh, it's just, we don't need a defund. Uh, we, we don't. Uh, what, what's her name? I think uh, Diamond and Silk, refund the police, whatever. So we beat Breonna Taylor situation to death. Uh, let's talk about uh, the notorious Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, you know what? Uh, you know, I, I saw a lot of hate on Twitter about when, when she when she passed. And I'll tell you this, man. Uh, it, it goes it goes back to the the commander in chief, whether it's Obama, whether it's George W. Bush, whether it's uh, William H. or Jefferson Clinton, or whether it's Abraham Lincoln, George Washington. Man, I have reverence for whoever holds that office. I really, really do. Make no mistake. That that is these are high offices and these are hard hard jobs. Look at look at before and after pictures. I mean, this is not an easy job. It doesn't matter who you are, what side of the aisle you're on. That is my commander in chief. Uh, I may have my own opinions about my commander in chief, but that is my commander in chief. As far as Ruth Bader Ginsburg is concerned, like I said, I saw a lot of hate on that, and it it, it rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Regardless of how you f- how anyone feels about her, she did serve her country. Supreme Court of the United States. I mean, that's that is a high office. I respect that. Whether I agree with her or not, I respect the fact that she made it there. She served for a very long time, and she holds my highest respect. The question I have before we get into the whole Supreme Court justice thing and uh, voting on it before, man, that's a big issue. My my question is. Anybody, Sandra Day O'Connor, nobody, no, nobody's heard of her first female Supreme Court justice. You know, I mean, no props whatsoever for Sandra Day O'Connor. I mean, good grief. You know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I guarantee you, if you ask the public who's the first female justice, the majority of the public's going to say Ruth Bader Ginsburg because somehow she became this cult symbol. I don't know how that happened. It happened around 2012. So when she started getting like really popular and people started making memes about her and I'm like, this is Supreme Court justice. I don't I don't get it in the passing people getting all upset about it. I just don't understand. I, I've I've looked into her past uh, left leaning judge, obviously, you know, uh, you could always count on her when the uh, when it went up to a Supreme Court decision to to side with the left, whatever issue it was. But I don't understand the popularity. I really don't get it, especially among millennials I, I, and, and younger. I just don't get the notorious RBG. She's so gangsta. I, I, don't, I don't understand that aspect of it. There's a lot to unpack here. We spend a lot of time on Breonna Taylor. So let's talk a little bit about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her passing. God rest her soul. Uh, I admire her, but let's talk about what this actually means. So, uh, yeah, I'll tell you right up front, the notorious RBG, because it rhymes with B-I-G, that's why she became a cult phenomenon. That's it. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, because all of these RBG supporters out there, and I'm like you, anybody that holds that office, uh, any federal judge, you get up to the Supreme Court, 
you know your stuff. You're, you're going to be on one side of the aisle or the other or whatever. You, it's the highest office and land you hold for a judge, and, and I respect that that position. But as far as the cult following, you can sit there and, and, and ask any of these these kids or millennials or Gen Xers or whatever. So which um, which RBG ruling did you know impressed you the most? Which RBG <laughs> ruling had the most influence on you uh, as a woman? Uh, as uh, as a gay, as a lesbian, as a bisexual, uh, which which ruling would that have been? Well, you know, she fought for women's rights, and I'm not saying she didn't because she did clearly. When you look at VMI opening that up, when you look at the LGBT uh, TG rights, she's got some key rulings on that stuff uh, as far as applying the 14th Amendment, which a lot of a lot of I agree with. But these people act like it's, it's this cult phenomenon, and, and you can't even name a ruling that she was involved in. Supreme Court uh, ruling with the uh, George Bush Al Gore case, probably one of the most popular. And I think the one that shocked me the most was probably the VMI case uh, and applying the 14th Amendment to uh, an all-male school. Uh, and again, she's got a couple other ones out there. But as far as as far as her becoming, you know, that this this pop culture cult phenomenon thing, or eh, it's it, it it comes down because her name rhymed, her, her initials rhymed, and that's why they did it. And people thought it sounded cool because she wasn't on TV a whole lot. You know, the last couple of times she was on TV, uh, you know, she actually came out and and what she spoke out against the president or something like that. I forget what that whole ordeal was. It was like, hey, you're a Supreme Court justice. You really shouldn't publicize your opinions on this stuff. Uh, more importantly, and I've kind of been going back and forth on your little Twitter universe here because for the listeners here, so I, I'm primarily been like a, a Facebook kind of guy. And due to, to Luke and Josh here, I've kind of opened up my my uh, Twitter game. And sadly, I don't think I have as many Twitter followers as we have listeners for Culper's Canteen Cups. I just tell you how bad I am and how bad my account is. But I've been going back and forth with a couple folks. And I'm just, and it's, of course, it's, it's over the whole appointment. And to me, this is very cut and dry. This is very simple. Two things. One, as the president, I don't care who it is, they obviously have the right to appoint the Supreme Court justice, period. I don't care if it happens two days before the inauguration. Now, granted, it would never make it through hearings and all that other good stuff, but as far as timing goes, he can do it whenever he wants to. Is there a difference between now and 2016? There is. Do I buy into the whole, that's why Mitch McConnell is doing what he's doing? No, not really. The big difference was in 2016, the president and the Senate weren't of the same party. Whereas now they are. And there's precedent to show that there's one third of the justices have been appointed during the last term and yada, yada, yada. And to be quite honest with you, I wasn't a big fan of Garland uh, just because I tend to lean right more. I didn't really argue the fact that Obama appointed him or nominated him. It's like, yeah, let it go to a vote. I don't really care. It's his rights. It's constitutional rights. So for Pelosi to even come out and say that, uh, that, that they were going to impeach Donald Trump because he appoints his, his his Supreme Court nominee, which he actually has to do per the Constitution. I think that's all BS. What's funny is I got into it with a Democrat on Twitter, and hypocrisy knows no bounds. Now, don't get me wrong here. Republicans are just as hypocritical as Democrats. So I would tell you this. There is not one party that is any better than the other, period. I don't care what part of the spectrum you're on. But I, I I disagree with that. Anyway, you have your turn. As far as being <laughs> hypocrites is my point. I obviously know or believe one party is better. But as far as the hypocrisy goes, it's the same on both sides. And they've been doing it for hundreds of years. Guess what that's called? Politics. 
And so I got into it back and forth and the guy was trying to say, well, you, you don't see the hypocrisy here. I'm like, okay, I'll play your silly game. Uh, I see the hypocrisy here. So you don't see the hypocrisy in 2016 with the million clips that they play of, of all the Democrats that came out and said that we need a vote. Here's his answer. It's not hypocrisy to point out the hypocrisy of somebody else who set a standard. And so by doing this, by doing that, I guess you're not a hypocrite. Like that doesn't even make sense to me. So it's not hypocritical of me to go back on my stance. If the reason that I'm being a hypocrite is to prove your hypocrisy on a stance that you took, as long as I'm doing that, then I'm not a hypocrite. I don't even know what world that makes sense in. And that was, uh, that was off. A, I think it was off a slate article or something like that. And, and there, it's like, it was this guy just like, are you what? I don't even understand this. It, it, it makes no sense to me. So, and then he actually accused me. And I chuckled when you used the word earlier, he actually tried to explain to me, uh, cognitive dissonance. And then I, I finally ended up and, and I haven't seen anything else uh, since that cognitive dissonance is when you believe that politicians are acting on behalf of their constituents and for the betterment of the American people. What's not cognitive dissonance is when you know that politicians are going to play politics and make decisions and take actions that are going to keep their party in power. That is not cognitive dissonance. So anyway, I, I thought this was going to be a, a longer segment for me. At the end of the day, I didn't really care with the Garland thing. Don't really want a uh, a liberal slanting Supreme Court. I'd rather I would rather it be more conservative. So for me, it works out. But I really didn't have a whole lot of heartache in the in the Garland situation. Like right now, I don't know why they're having a heartache over this. And you know, a couple of things that come out, they're talking about oh, the Democrats. All gloves are off the table, or whatever the hell his his, his quote was that you know if this happens. So oh, I guess I guess the Democrats were going to play nice if if he didn't bring this vote up. If he didn't bring, if he didn't bring out his, his nominee, this, or when he does it this Saturday, I guess they were just going to play nice and be bipartisan at that point, because there's been so much bipartisanship up to this point. It's like, who are you kidding? One thing that the Democrats are good at that were, the Republicans suck at is they circle the wagons, man, because we even talked about it right up front. The minute that we saw it, that she passed away, what was the first three things? We were like Romney, Murkowski, Collins, right off the bat. And believe it or not, Romney actually took the, there really wasn't a whole lot of, I mean, now wait, we'll have to wait to the vote, right? The actual vote's got to happen. But as a senator or as a, as a politician, left or right, if your own party already has to call you out before the issue's even been brought to light yet, that's a problem. You should probably change that R to a D or take it to an I. That's that's a problem in itself. So th- there's there's some other you know second third orders of effect with this. Talking about making D.C. a state, talking about making Puerto Rico a state, talking about packing the courts. If you pack the courts, it'll be like an arms race. It'll never stop. Eventually, we'll just have a hundred person or a hundred one person Supreme Court because every time somebody has a majority, they're just going to continue to pack the court. And the same thing, adding D.C. And, and, and Puerto Rico, we'll just be looking for other islands to, to liberate and add to, you know, to become a state. So I don't think, yeah, like you said last week, we're going to free the shit out of you, and then we're going to make you Americans. And then we're going to let you vote. So it's, uh, there are some, some second, third orders of effect of this. I'm not sure that it actually happens, but uh, 
I vaguely remember, and I use this term every now and then, the internet was around back in, was it 2013? And I'll end on this before I kick it to Josh for his thoughts. Wasn't it Harry Reid with the nuclear option taking the the nomination from 60 votes down to just a simple majority? And wasn't it Mitch McConnell that said, you'll regret this, right? I forget what his exact term was, but it's like, maybe not today, but this is going to come back to bite you. And I tell you, it's going to be the same thing with the courts or anything else that the Democrats do with this. If they come back and really try to make a, a play on this, it's like, be careful what you wish for, because you might get it. And everybody knows how government works. The only read Harry, the only way that, uh, or the reason that Harry Reid did it was because he was on his way out. He knew he was leaving. 2013, right? He knows he's on his way out. So like, go to the nuclear option. He gave two shits about the party because he knew it was going to come back and bite them, but knew he, he knew he was going to retire and, and didn't have, he wasn't going to have to be the one to put up with it. So that's kind of my thoughts on it. I really don't have a, you know, I, I thought I was going to have this whole, you know, spiel on it. And I, maybe it was a spiel, 10 minute spiel here, but just not as in depth as what I, I thought it was going to be. Take the vote up or down, put the guy in office or put the lady in office. It's going to be a woman, put the woman in office. Uh, just hold your seats because, uh, you know, I guess we'll have the, I guess we'll have the sexual assault allegations that come out and uh, God knows what, whatever else that, that comes out. I, I don't know. What do you think, Josh? I thought, I thought I thought Rogers. What I thought it was genius. He he keeps talking it down. It was brilliant, what? brilliant. Your whole segment uh, just now, man. You're like, oh, I didn't know. Yeah, he's trying to play himself down. That's called a humble no, brag, no, right? That's not a humble brag. I actually thought there was going to be like more critical thought analysis to this, so he could be like Anderson Cooper and Don Lemon. We got to burn the system down, man. <laughs> Pledge of Allegiance, <laughs> indivisible, and all that. Right, right. <laughs> You're you're right, Luke. That was a uh, that was a humble brag. But I mean, granted, Roger is the smartest person on this podcast. Um, you know, and I mean, fifty percent of that reason is fifty percent of that reason is because he's Asian. So well, what I do is I edit out I edit out yeah. when you two talk, so it sounds like I'm the one with all the good ideas. When I when the when the actual podcast <laughs> when the actual podcast comes out and the video cast is great because all I do is I edit out you guys, so we just see Luke wiping sweat off his face with his, with his rag, and then all we get from Josh is um. So I make it sound like I'm the smartest guy on the on the screen. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, right. So, first off, uh, RBG, the 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 notorious RBG. Again, I go back as as a human being, um, you know, and as someone who sat on the Supreme Court. When I first saw that RBG passed, I immediately felt, well, that's that's terrible. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I feel sorry for her. I feel sorry for her family because she had a family that loved her. Right. She had friends who loved her. Um, right. So as a human being, I felt compassion. I did not agree with a lot of RGB's decisions, especially Roe versus Wade and stuff. Right. And that's because I'm, because I'm a conservative. Um, and that's for another podcast. I'm definitely not going to open Pandora's box oh, here. I'm ready for that one, man. I'm but, ready for that one. <laughs> right. But again, right. She was a fighter. I, nobody can deny her, her tenacity, her will. She was a fighter, 
right? She beat cancer multiple times. Um, and I, I, she, you know, she was a champion for, for women's rights. And so I, I, I will never, ever take that away from her. Right. She, she was a fighter. Um, and so I, I will give her that. She had a family who loved her. She was a fighter. God rest her soul, you know, and, and like Luke said, as a Supreme Court justice, there is no higher honor as, you know, as a judge than to serve on the Supreme Court of the United States. So, you know, fast forward to the whole, you know, should you nominate a justice in an election year? That, uh, so go back to 19, I want to say it was 1980. Then President Jimmy Carter nominated to a lower court, not the Supreme Court, nominated a judge with last name of Breyer to a lower court during an election year. Right? Now, a bunch of people voted in favor of that. And people were like, well, why are you bringing up a, a lower circuit court judge from 1980 and comparing them to the notorious RBG? Well, first of all, if you don't know the name Breyer and you're talking about RBG and the Supreme Court and you don't know the name Breyer, you're an idiot because Breyer is now a Supreme Court justice, right? So there's a whole lot of threads here to unravel, right? I could pull a bunch of different threads here. And so one of those is, okay, well, should the president be allowed to nominate circuit court judges during an election year? Because where, where could they potentially get to right down the road? And so that's one thing that you, that you need, if, if you're along that lines, well, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't nominate a, a justice there in election year. The most, obviously the most current one, the most famous one everybody wants to talk about is 2016 and Garland, right? Well, before we talk about Garland, let's rewind to 1992 and Joe Biden, then Senator Joe Biden now, former vice president, now presidential candidate for the Democratic Party, Joe Biden. In 1992, Joe Biden directly appealed to then George H.W. Bush to not nominate anyone to the Supreme Court during an election year because the president and the Senate were not in agreement meaning they were not represented by the same party, meaning there was a Democratic Senate and a Republican president in office, right? So why do I say that? To date, 25 nominations to the Supreme Court have happened during election years. 21 of those were confirmed, When you go back and you listen to almost every Supreme Court justice nomination hearing, what is one of the things that they say that they base their decisions on? Precedent. Oh, I thought it was a dying wish. Hmm. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. So 
there's precedent, 25 nominations, 21 confirmations. There's precedent. There is precedent for nominations during an election year to be confirmed. Now, let's really get to the legality and the heart of the matter. People, I I had somebody ask me the other day, and I quote, why does the Senate get to confirm justices and not the House? Okay, so I'm going to hold that. Everybody hold what you got on that, right? I bet if I go out and I ask 10 people right now, 10 average Americans right now, explain to me what defensive pass interference means in the NFL. I bet I could probably get six or seven of them to tell me what defensive pass interference means. By the book, they can say, well, the NFL defines pass interference as X. Right. Okay. So when you ask me the question, why does the Senate get to confirm judges? Because, and I'm going to apologize to Luke's mom and dad real quick, and my mom and dad, because I'm going to curse right here. Because and Betsy, and Betsy, and Betsy. Sorry, Betsy. Because motherfucker, the rule book for the country. <laughs> We like to call it the Constitution of the United States. Defers that to the Senate. To the Senate. <laughs> Not the House of Representatives. To He's the right. Senate. That's He's why right. the Senate gets to confirm judges. Because the Constitution says so. Article 2, Section 2. It's also known as, I don't know, the Appointments Clause. Maybe you should sit your ass down and read it. If you can explain to me the infield fly rule in baseball, <laughs> but you can't explain to me who gets to confirm justices in the United States, you're wrong. We're going to call that. That's we're going to call that. We're going to call that Josh 312. Josh 312. <laughs> like like uh, Austin 312. Or I think that's 316. Right? Or 316. 316. Good God. Lord. Oh, sorry, Mom. Good God, Lord. man. All those he, years in Sunday school. Even. You heathen. Josh 316, because the Constitution said That's so. Right. That's, Luke, I got one question for you is, before you this start. This is historic. I got one question for you, and then you can get into your, your, your piece. I'm not done. Yeah, you're done. The- <laughs> <laughs> the whole dying wish thing, and I'm trying to, and again, I'm with Josh oh. on the family and all that other good stuff. If I'm on my deathbed, surrounded by family, there are a million other things that come to my mind other than President Trump nominating another Supreme Court justice. Did that even happen? Did that come on? Did that, did that even happen? Oh, okay. That didn't happen, right? No, look. Yeah, come on. Come on. Yeah, this, this was a... This was a news story that was written probably, God, how many years ago? It was probably written a very long time ago. The news story about her dying wish was, look, man, (sighs) Ruth Bader Ginsburg, all due respect, but listen, Justice, if you would have been more like forward looking, you probably should have retired, given up your seat under the Obama administration when he had two years left. 
you had a full career, that was the time to let it go. Otherwise, according to her own statements, open statements, she knew what could happen. But she decided to roll the dice. She, she said, I, I think there was a quote I said, I'm going to have to research this. People, I'll, I'll encourage you to research this on your own. I, I saw a quote somewhere today that said she wanted a female president. And she said this during the Obama administration. She wanted a female president to appoint the next Supreme Court justice. And that, that assumes that that would have been Hillary Clinton. I'm sure she, like almost everyone else, thought, sure, Hillary Clinton's going to win. But justice, God rest your soul. She's probably looking down, just laughing at this whole thing. Like, I'm in a better place now. Whatever. I don't care. I, I, I wasted so much time on this nonsense. Uh I should have just retired under Obama, whatever. But yes, Roger, I agree that that was not come on on her deathbed. There are more important things than that. I would hope I would hope. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. I haven't been on my deathbed yet. <laughs> been close a few times, but not yet. So I remember a story uh, way back in the day. I was at ANOC. You guys remember ANOC? Yeah. It's a school you got to go to to be a sergeant first class. Roger knows that school. Josh does, too. There was a kid there, and this was uh, long before I evolved into the uh, Joe Atlas massive brain that I have today, <laughs> kicking sand in the faces of liberals who don't think, you know, logically. I, I was still forming, you know, my my political stances and my stances in life, really. And there was one guy we were talking about, George W. Bush. We were sitting out there in the smoking hallway. I was not smoking; I was having a big fat dip. But everyone else was smoking, and we were talking about George W. Bush. Some people hated him. Some people loved him. And one kid said, you know, his legacy is not going to be this. It's not going to be that. His legacy in the history books 100 years from now is going to be his Supreme Court justices. And I remember that that, that triggered something in my head. And I was like, wait, uh, you know, th this kid's pretty smart. I, I, I admire this guy. What's he, what's he really mean? And so I started really digging into it. This was years ago, man, a long time ago. I was like, man, the Supreme Court justices really are a president's legacy. It's their true legacy. They can last long before they're dead. It can. And this is where I kind of fall on the whole Trump thing. But first, I'm going to give Roger some credit. Uh, and you guys can look back at my Facebook posts, you guys who, uh, who know who I am on Facebook. You can look back where I kind of turned the corner where I became kind of a Trump supporter before the election. I was a doubter, and Roger was the first of us who was like, nope, this is the guy, this is the guy. And I remember that, and I was like, ah, Roger, I don't know. But then, as it came closer and closer to the election, he got the nomination. I started saying to people who were never Trumpers and all this stuff, people, it is not about, forget everything you know about Trump, forget everything you know about Hillary Clinton. If you're a conservative, this is about the Supreme Court. Period. Look back at my Facebook posts. I was I was lecturing people on this. And it absolutely is true. And the time is now. You know, if you are if you have the slightest bit of doubt as whether whether Trump is going to win or not, you should be supporting this decision to go forward. Because like, you know, according to Josh 316, it's about the Constitution. The president has the right to do this. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. It doesn't matter if you're upset about it. If this president can get one more good, in my opinion, in my opinion, one more good appointee to the Supreme Court, it was all worth it. This last four years 
was absolutely worth it. It, just from that alone, we're not talking about foreign policy. We're not talking about anything else. It's about the Supreme Court. Josh wants to say something real bad. I am chomping through the bit to, to say something. So you're absolutely right. Roger was the first of our, of our group to hop on the Trump train, right? At first, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I was a Ted Cruz guy. I was a Ted Cruz Guy at the beginning, you know, and everything, and then eventually it became apparent. It was like, bro, like Eddie Munster is not is not cutting it. Um, he's not he's not going to be the guy. And I still love Ted Cruz, right? I, I I still I still respect, I still admire Ted Cruz. But you know, at the end of the day, man, it was like you got to see. It was like at the end of the day, Ted Cruz one is he's an establishment guy. Right. And in this whole in the, in, real quick, in this whole RGB thing, everybody's like, oh, you know, people are idolizing Mitch McConnell. I'm going to tell you right now, I despise <laughs> Mitch McConnell. I loathe Mitch McConnell. I hate career politicians. I do. I don't care if they have an R or D, of, you know, after their name. I hate career politicians. Um, you know, and so finally, you know, hopped, once, you know, once he was like, oh, shit, like, Trump won the primaries, like Trump's the candidate. I was like, all right, all on board the Trump train, Trump train because Hillary Clinton is truly the devil. Um, and so I hopped on board the Trump train and my sole thing for Trump was one, he's not an establishment guy Two, the guy knows the economy. And I, and I would like to, I, I don't want to have to work until I'm 85 to live. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, Trump knows the economy. Hopefully I can retire a little earlier with, you know, him running the show for at least a little while. And three, the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court, because that is something that is going to last for the next two, three, potentially four decades. And people are like, oh, my God, you know, they're going to take away women's rights. They're going to take away this, that and the other. Hey, man, guess what? I think of there. There's a couple of decisions already that have been made that Trump's two appointees to the Supreme Court, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, have disagreed with, have gone against him. So for everybody out there who's like, "Oh my God, they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade," they're going to go against you know, they're going to take away LGBTQ, all the alphabet you know rights. You're wrong because. That's not what has. That's not what history has showed. You go back and look at you know Gorsuch's and and Kavanaugh's uh, rulings and sightings. They haven't always gone with the person who appointed them, and neither, I don't think any judge has. So people need to just take a deep breath, calm down a little bit. But I go back to the Constitution, right? Anton Scalia was probably Scalia was probably the greatest Supreme Court justice ever to sit on the bench. Why? Because he was a constitutional textualist. And you go back, you can trace textualism all the way back to Aristotle, right? And so when people are like, you know, why does the Senate get to pick justice? Because that's what the Constitution says. People are, you know, people who want to, you know, be like, well, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. I don't effing care <laughs> that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Why? Because we do not have a democracy. We are not a democratic government. We are a constitutional republic. If you go back, the Electoral College is written into the Constitution. 
if you have not read the Constitution, and I would even say, and I'm going to give a shout out to my boy Tyler. I don't want to say his last name because I don't want people hating on him. I don't want people protesting in front of his house, you know, like they're doing to uh, to Lindsey Graham right now. But Tyler also was like, hey, guess what? People need to read the Federalist Papers, too. Go back and read the Constitution. It's not that long. Read the Declaration of Independence. Read the Constitution. Luke pointed it out, I think, in the last episode, two episodes ago. The Constitution is not filled with legalese. It's not filled with all these complicated terms. It was written in a manner so even the cabbage farmer on Long Island, who was a member of the Culper Spiring, who helped win the Revolutionary War, could understand it. Could either A, read it and understand it, or B, have it read to them and understand it. That was the level they wrote it to. So if you know your shapes and colors, you can understand the Constitution. And if you haven't read it and you're an American citizen, I'm going to tell you right now, you're fucking wrong. You're wrong. We don't teach it. We don't make it a requirement, and we should. We should damn sure make it a requirement to be an elected official. Looking at you, AOC, the three branches of government (laughs) are not the House, the Senate, and the White House. Read the Constitution. That's the document that we should all live by. Scalia said it. He said it best. The Constitution says what it says, and it doesn't say what it doesn't say. No, Bernie. Healthcare is not a right. I don't see it in the Constitution. Housing's not a right, AOC. It's not the Constitution. The Constitution <laughs> says what it says, and it doesn't say what it doesn't say. Get your shit together, people. <laughs> so, and help okay. us out. Are you going to put me in an early grave? Exactly. I love okay, you all. I'm going I'm to help Josh <laughs> out a little bit here. So, I... <laughs> Sorry. So the other day, not the other day, last Christmas, uh, my daughter was here and uh, (laughs) Josh, man, classic. Oh, so last Christmas, my daughter was here. And uh, as some of you may know, she's she's going to go to the army. She's going to be an officer. And I was asking her, we were talking about the Constitution. We're talking about quite a bit because like you swear an oath to is pretty important. So I gave her my last copy of the Constitution. I keep on me at all times in my satchel. It's not a man purse. <laughs> it's a satchel. I keep my whip in there and everything else Indiana Jones has. It's a satchel. Anyway, so uh, I gave her my last copy. So I was like, well, I got to get some more of these. So I go on Amazon. I'm helping you guys out who want to stay on uh, Josh's good graces and adhere to the Holy Scripture that is Josh 316. I went on Amazon and looked up pocket constitution. I got a copy of the constitution, a little pocket size thing for, I think I got like 12 of them for like six bucks. It's like, man, that's great. So I ordered 12 of them. I give them out to people. I've given them to uh, some, uh, some locals who work here. They've actually read it and had some good uh, conversations with me specifically about the second amendment. They always want to know about the second amendment. They don't get it. Yeah. So, so go out, you know, just, just order some, hand them out to people, man. I mean, it, it really is a good document. It's actually kind of like Josh said, it's really easy reading. It's not legalese. It's just know where you came from, man. I mean, it's, it's good stuff. I love it. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but uh, I swore an oath to it. So God, man, that was a good one. So I, 
I insisted we wanted to leave it at those two topics or Josh and Roger want to leave it at those two topics. I insisted that we talk about the notorious <laughs> Hunter Biden. Where's Hunter? You know, I got so much to say about this, but I, I, I'm going to go to Roger first. Uh, Hunter Biden, some some pretty damning news came out about him. Uh, damning is a is a legit word, Betsy. Mom, Josh's mom. Damning is okay. I can say that. Uh, we've tried to throttle the cussing, so we've we've really tried for y'all. But Hunter, man, oh man, not good, not good. This is the vice president's son. This is a guy who's running for president. So real quick on the notorious RBG that started in 2013 by Shauna Nizhnik. She was a law student and uh, started a Tumblr uh, by that name to honor Ginsburg Memorial Dissent in the voting rights case Shelby County versus Holder which basically said if you were from, and I'm summarizing, you're basically from a racist part of the country that, that has a historical track record of being a racist, then before, before you make any changes to the uh, local election rules or policies, they had to be signed off on by the Department of Justice. So that's where she got her notorious uh, RBG. Racist. Hunter Biden. Wow, man, you can't make this shit up. We, we have this term that, that we used throughout our community back in the day that you just can't get off the X. Like, you cannot make this stuff up. And here's what's amazing to me. And I'll give you a quick rundown. I'll throw it right back to you, Luke, to, to get your thoughts on it. What's amazing to me is why has the right, the conservatives, why aren't they all over this? Because the, the, the Dems are already out there and they're already downplaying it. And they really haven't been challenged on a lot of this stuff. The one time Biden was asked about it, and for you folks that are out there in the, uh, on Twitter or whatever, you gurgle it, when Biden was asked about his son, I mean, he cooked the fuck off. Ooh, Straight angry. It is a touchy man. subject, and you know Ooh. that. Uh, the, the left has already come out and played it down as a nothing burger, but they really don't even have to because the right's not taking control of it. When I, and so I, this is where I thought I was going to get my mass Twitter following because as soon as that dropped, I was like one of the first people in the world to like drop the boom, 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 right? I was like, holy shit, this is huge. Capital huge. Capital H-U-G, huge. Crickets. I'm like, surely this is going to take off through our pundits that we watch, even our conservative sides, right? So as the days go on, or two days, I guess, it's crickets. So let me, let me give you a quick rundown. And I, and I can't figure out why. So I guess that's my first question I posed to you, Luke, but Everybody knows the deal, Hunter Biden, Burisma, and of course, the way the Dems uh, portrayed all is, this absolutely had no impact on any of Biden's decisions, Obama's decisions, government policies, or anything. They're saying zero, not a smidgen of corruption, right? That was the Obama quote, not a smidgen of corruption in, in my you know presidency, administration, or whatever. So, got some bullet points here, 2015. Uh, former acting, acting deputy chief of mission at U.S. Embassy in Ukraine, George Kent, raised concerns to officials and Vice President Joe Biden's office about the perception of a conflict of interest respective to Hunter Biden. Because remember, Joe said that, why? I, yeah, I knew he was doing something. Nobody ever brought this up to me. No, actually, it was brought up to you, specifically you, uh, in your office. Uh, it went unaddressed and in 2016. Uh, he emphasized it in an email to his colleagues. So after Joe blew him off, he wrote an email and was like, hey, man, this, there, there's a problem here. Uh, furthermore, the presence of Hunter Biden on the Burisma board was very awkward for all U.S. officials pushing an anti-corruption agenda in Ukraine because you're trying to push that agenda. And what happened? Your boys on the board, like, corrupt. So anyway, so that happens there. 
October 2015, uh, senior State Department official Amos Hochstein raised concerns again with with Vice President Biden, as well uh, as with Hunter Biden and Hunter Biden's position on Burisma's board, uh, talked about how it enabled Russia's disinformation efforts and risk undermining U.S. policy in Ukraine. So, and I only pull those two snippets because you have several uh, you have several iterations where people are like, no, we actually told the administration, not just Obama, uh, but we also told Biden and several other members uh, of the administration. So they go on and talk about how awkward it is and, and it's hard to push that anti-corruption agenda. Uh, former Assistant Secretary of State, European Asian Affairs, uh, Victoria Newland testified that confronting oligarchs would send an anti-corruption message in Ukraine. Kent told the committee that uh, this this was a was an oligarch. However, in December 2015, instead of following U.S. objectives and confronting them, Vice Pri- Vice President uh, Biden's staff advised him to avoid commenting on it and recommend he say, "I'm not going to get into naming names or accusing individuals," which I think I actually remember that. So to sit there and just say that it had no influence on policy, or whatever, I think you can pretty much throw it out the door. Again, just highlights here. Hunter Biden was a now, here's what's, here's what's interesting, because now we're talking about taxpaying dollars, right? Hunter Biden was a U.S. Secret Service protective from 29 January 2009 to July 8, 2014. A day before his last trip as a protective, Time published an article describing Burisma's ramped up lobbying efforts to U.S. officials and Hunter's involvement in Burisma's board. Before ending his protective detail, Hunter Biden received Secret Service protection on trips to multiple foreign locations, including Moscow, Beijing, Doha, Paris, Seoul, Manila, Tokyo, Mexico City, Milan, Florence, Shanghai, Geneva, London, Dublin, Munich, Berlin, Bogota, Abu Dhabi, Nairobi, Hong Kong, Taipei, Buenos Aires, Copenhagen, Johannesburg, Brussels, Madrid, Mumbai, and Lake Como. Dude, you cannot make this stuff up, right? You can't make it up. In addition to over the $4 million paid by Burisma for Hunter Biden uh, and Archer, his, his partner's board membership, Hunter Biden, his family, and Archer received millions of dollars of foreign nationals with questionable backgrounds. And here's where we get to the new one. Hunter Biden received a $3.5 million wire transfer from Elena Bacharina. Probably she doesn't listen, so it'd be whatever how I pronounce it. Uh, the wife of the former mayor of <laughs> Moscow. Hunter Biden opened a bank account with Guang or Gongwen Dong to fund a 100000 global spending spree with James Biden and Sarah Biden. Hunter Biden had business associates with, I'm going to butcher all this stuff, uh, well, we only have like one Taiwanese and one Chinese listener anyway. Uh, Yi Jingmin, Gong Wendong, and other Chinese nationals linked to the communist government and the People's Liberation Army. Those associations resulted in million dollars in cash flow. And Hunter Biden paid non-resident women who were nationals of Russia or other Eastern European, uh, European countries who appear to be linked to an Eastern European prostitution or human trafficking ring. So... You can't make it up. Those are that that's boilerplates. Those are the bullets there. Uh, I here's I'll, I'll put this you know, the way I can frame it for myself. I remember back in the day because I was a security investigator for a little while, and I remember back in the day that hey, if you had immediate family members that uh, you know had this kind of foreign nexus, that was a problem with your security clearance. I'm pretty sure it's that way for all federal government employees, or it was, and, and I think it, it still is. So that's kind of my piece on it. I'm just going to provide the highlights. So, uh, Luke, uh, take it away, man. It's a lot to unpack. That uh, You said it all. You, you, you went down the list there. Uh, and I encourage you, if you didn't, if you kind of put us on, uh, on autopilot there while you're running, Ryan, all these people, they work out while they're listening to us. I can't figure that out. I'd encourage you to rewind and listen to 
the items that that Roger lined out right there because uh, they are pretty uh, significant. And what I'll say is uh, one thing I'm very guilty of in life in general is something called projection. I project myself onto everyone else. And I'm like, well, I can see this. How come everyone else can't? I, I think of that last bullet uh, about basically, you know, Roger said the legalese. And basically the last bullet is this guy got a ton of hookers from uh, Russia and uh, uh, Eastern Europe, which had ties to uh, basically a human trafficking. Not even basically. It's human trafficking. Hashtag me too, man. That's that's all I'm going to say. It's hashtag me too. I mean, where did that go? I mean, that should be number one. I mean, there was this whole bullshit report about, oh, sorry. There was this whole <laughs> BS report about Trump peeing on hookers in Moscow that was totally debunked. Christopher Steele is, is, is all nonsense. This is actually a real document, people. This is not some news source, Fox News, MSNBC, whatever. This is the U.S. Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs, U.S. Committee on Finance Majority Staff Report. Now, keep in mind, I mean, it's not necessarily, I mean, there are Democrats and Republicans on this committee. It's chaired by a Republican. But this is actually a Senate committee that did a whole investigation, just like the Mueller report, just like that one, who found all these things. And what they're looking for is a conflict of interest here. And if you go through all those points that Roger outlined, and there's more to it in this report, I encourage you, go online. I'm going to say it again. It's the U.S. Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs. Type that into Google and type in Hunter Biden. You will get the actual report released by the U.S. government on what their findings were with footnotes and everything. Now, keep in mind, when all this happened was when Joe Biden was vice president. As there's an anti-corruption uh, investigation going on, basically against Burisma and holdings like that within Ukraine, of which Hunter Biden is a board member getting paid inordinate amounts of money. And Joe Biden got on TV and bragged about how he got the prosecutor who was investigating those corruptions, those corruption dealings with all the all these Burisma holdings and all these other Joe Biden bragged about getting him fired. I'll just make a call to Obama and get him fired. And guess what? He was fired. That guy was investigating. Look at the report. That guy, that guy was investigating Hunter Biden and all his ilk. There were other people involved, other Americans involved. It's like projection. If I, I don't understand how people are completely outraged by this. And Joe Biden, this is what really outrages me more than anything else. Hey, Joe Biden, quit being an idiot. Don't send your, I'm backing away from the mic because I know I'm getting loud. Stop sending your son to a place where we're actually actively, the U.S. government is helping investigate corruption. Send your son to somewhere in Southeast Asia that no one's ever heard of to make his millions of dollars. Stop, you idiot. It's like, hey man, if you're going to be a corrupt politician, at least be smart. Okay, because this stuff is going to come back to haunt you. This little thing called the internet, you know, and the internet remembers. I mean, my God, I, I get really worked up about this because, you know, we talk about the hypocrisy. It's like, man, all these people are under, you know, you open yourself to up to public scrutiny by being a, a public servant or a Hollywood star or a music star. You get what you deserve. Okay. And right now, 
not only is Hunter Biden getting what he deserves because he's profiting off that, but Joe Biden is too. And the fact that someone could vote for him and think that this isn't going to happen again is just out of their freaking mind, man. I mean, human trafficking, me too. I mean, hashtag me too. I mean, where are all these people? It's human trafficking, man. It's prostitution. I mean, forcing women, it's rape. Okay, that's what it is. It's rape against their will. Hunter Biden is guilty of it. Where are all these people? Man, I'm telling you, we live in a freaking clown world. Josh, man, I'm, I'm queuing off you and I'm getting, I'm getting all worked up. I don't think I said too many cuss words, but I encourage the audience. I'm going to pass it hey, to Hey, you Josh. know who else is getting what they I deserve? encourage the audience. His baby's mama now. Oh, my God. So that's another thing. It's like you put you put Don Trump Jr., <laughs> Eric Trump, and someday, someday, Baron Trump, that poor kid, you put them under this type of microscope, it's just going to be nonstop wall-to-wall headlines. Now, one more thing before I pass it to Josh. Roger, I don't know why the both sides are staying so silent about this. It's like, man, it, it's it's like this, this giant, you know, it's all this pressure building up and you think it's going to explode. And like you said, Joe Biden, he's just went nuts in that clip the other day when someone challenged him on his son. I think Roger's right. We're running low on time right here, but I think Roger's right. I think there's going to be debates. I don't know if they're going to be face-to-face, but that's the first thing I would I would tell. If I was the advisor, I'd be like, go after the sun and watch him blow Absolutely. the F up and, watch, and have the entire American public watch this guy come unhinged and then put and then tweet out this report and say, hey, man, I'm just telling the truth. You know, I don't know. I feel all this pressure building, all this stuff. And it's just like, when is it going to release or is it at all? I don't know. I hope it does. Josh, I'm done on this one. I could talk for a long time, but you go ahead. No, I got your brother. So, you know, there, there's a lot of threads to unpack there, right? There's so much to, to unpack there, but you're absolutely right. Go after his son because you go back and look at, there's probably about three different instances where people have asked Joe Biden about his son, right? And he is, Joe Biden has come unglued, like professionally unglued, right? So Trump, Trump Jr., Eric, baby, I know you're not listening to Culper's Canteen Cup. You You should be because we got our shit together. Right. So you should be listening to us to go after Hunter. I, all I know is that for the for three years, right, from 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 29, even today. Right. So you have almost four, you know, four years now. The country has been ripped apart by this Russian collusion narrative. Right. And, you know, Don Jr. met, you know, people met with this Russian, you know, person in Trump Towers in New York, blah, blah, you know, grr, 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 grr. right. We have been just, you know, pounded with this Russian collusion narrative. Well, I tell you what, after this bipartisan, because there were Democrats sitting on that committee, as Luke pointed out, after this bipartisan report came out, Carter Page has received zero dollars from Russia. Hunter Biden received $3.5 million from the wife of the mayor of Moscow, who is a close, a close associate of Vladimir Putin. So I'll tell you what. So it's crazy when you go back and you look at all these investigations 
haven't revealed any Russian collusion on the part of the Trump campaign, but it revealed all the Russian connections to the Democratic, the, the Democrat Party. I, I don't know. I, you know, I, again, I don't want to, I'm not going to convict anybody in a court of public opinion, but they, they open the they open the counterintelligence investigation on the wrong sun. That's all. That's what I'll say about that. Right. Uh, so, you know, the other part, and I get, I, I get fired up, I get excited, right. Because I go back to the constitution because that, that, that is the document. That is the document of our nation, right? The Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, that is the document of our nation. And so I get excited about it. I get passionate about it. When you go back, you look at Hunter Biden and you talk about not having the nation's best interest at heart. And I'll be the first one to admit I despise, for the most part, both political parties. There's hypocrisy. There's, you know, people are like, oh, well, trust in this. Everybody's seen the movie Lincoln, right? You, you guys have seen the movie Lincoln? Yep. So you remember when Thaddeus Stevens, when he's talking to the radicals, and he's like, trust? Right. Trust, I'm sorry. I thought your, pro, your, your chosen profession was politics, right? So that's what, when people are like, I can't believe the hypocrisy <laughs> of the insert, insert your adversarial party here. I'm like, well, of course there's hypocrisy on both sides. It's called politics. But I tell you, when it comes down to it, when it comes down to, you know, the Supreme Court nomination, when it comes down to what you as in you, the Demer, and I'm using personal pronouns here, but when you, the Democratic Party, when you, Chuck Schumer, when you, Nancy Pelosi, you lost any right to argue about decency, about honor, for the last four years when you pushed this Russian collusion narrative undermining a duly elected president when you treated at the Senate, when you treated Kavanaugh, when you treated Brett Kavanaugh the way you did, when you drug his good name through the mud the way you did, you lost your argument about honor and dignity and trust, whatever. Get Go kick rocks. Go pound sand. Go. I'm not going to say a lot of bad words here. I want to say a lot of bad words. God knows I want to say a lot of bad words. But out of respect to our parents, I'm not going to say a lot of bad words. So, I, you know, when it comes to Hunter Biden, and I, I'm going to add this because as the father of three daughters, for Hunter Biden to go out there and patronize Eastern European women, prostitutes, right? You may not have handcuffed them, shackled them, and put them on a plane or put them in a Connex or put them in the trunk of a car, but you enabled that. You enabled that by you patronizing that. You've contributed to that process, 
if you did, Hunter, and again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna convict him in a court of public opinion before he's convicted in a public. But the evidence is pointing that way. Fuck you, Hunter Biden. <laughs> anybody, anybody who participates in that, who enables that, whether you pull the trigger metaphorically or not, fuck you. I hope you die. I hope you burn in hell for all eternity. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if that was one of my daughters, I would murder you in the middle of the street at high noon. And you know what? I would use my pistol. to, And the only thing I would feel is the recoil of my weapon. Hey, folks. I would wake up every day in prison. It's a satire. Smiling. I would wake Jesus. up every day in prison with a smile on my face. Jesus. And the calm feeling in my heart, knowing that you're in hell burning for all eternity. The people involved in human trafficking, fuck you. I hope you die and I hope you burn in hell for eternity. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to close it out. I'm not going to kick it over to anybody. I'm going to go ahead and close it out. So think about where you're at. Is this where you want to be when baby Jesus comes back? (laughs) Is this where you want to be when baby Jesus comes back? Closing it out. Thank you to Carlton Zeus, who's probably not going to let us use his music anymore after this one. Um, Thanks to our listeners out there. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. I'm not going to drink anymore during our podcast. Um, (laughs) Because we're probably losing listeners as it is. All seven of you, we're probably going to go down to like four. So, all right. Hey, like Luke said, the guy said, Roger said at the very beginning, go over to YouTube, smash, smash that subscribe button. Smash it like C.T. Fletcher. Give C.T. Fletcher a shout out. Uh, Check us out on our social media Get involved. Read the Constitution. Read the Federalist Papers. Please, for the love of God and everything that is holy on this earth, read your founding documents. All right? Not asking you to be a Republican. Not asking you to be a Democrat. Just read your founding documents. Be an American. Be the American that the Hong Kong protesters thought you were. And with that, welcome to our freemium content. <laughs>